Welcome to the Modern Tire Dealer Show. This episode is brought to you by BKT Tires, a leading global player in off-highway tires for the agricultural, industrial, construction, and OTR industries. Hi, welcome to the Modern Tire Dealer Show. I'm Joy Kepcha, Managing Editor of MTD, and today I'm excited to introduce you to Kent Coleman, a tire dealer and franchisor of 11 Big O Tire stores in Utah. Kent's stores are leading the pack in the Big O Tires world, and every single one of them outperforms the national sales average of all the other Big O Tires locations. I wanted to talk to him about the secret sauce that's making his store sizzle, if you will. And I think we can learn a lot from his methods. Well, hello, Kent. Thanks so much for uh, joining me on the Modern Tire Dealer Show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, of course. Well, I'm excited to kind of introduce you a bit to our audience here. Um, so you are a, uh, I, I guess we can commit, let's call you a mega franchiser of Big O Tire Stores. So you've got 11 locations in Utah and um, every single store, all 11 stores are beating the average performance of a uh, Big O Tire store in the U.S. Your, your stores, I think, range from the the three million or two or three or I think it's three million right to 13 yeah. million dollar in, in annual sales while the um, average store is a big O tire store nationwide is ringing up two million so uh that that's an incre incredible performance congratulations on that success thank you I appreciate that yeah but with, with that resume it obviously means that you have figured something out here so we want to get to some <laughs> of that today um but I guess what's interesting for me, you know, we talked to a lot of tire dealers who are kind of born and raised in this industry, and I know that is not your story. So um, I, I guess tell us, tell us a little bit about how you did become a tire dealer, how you ended up in the industry and and uh, kind of the, the route you took into the business. Yeah, you bet. You bet. You know, it is uh, my, my route has not been probably traditional, but um, I've always been entrepreneurial ever since I was a little kid. I, even as when I was 10, 11, 12, I would go out in my neighborhood and, and sell things door to door and try to make some money and bothered all my neighbors every summer, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I, I've always just kind of had that impetus to try to, to be out and selling and, and trying to build relationships with people. But that carried over. I, um, after I went to college, I started a small business that did fairly well that was totally unrelated to automotive. And then I, I sold that business and was kind of looking for my next project. And so my older brother uh, knew that I was selling my company. Um, at this time, I was in my 20s and that I was looking for a new project. And he met a guy randomly on a cruise <laughs> who had a big O tires franchise for sale. He was retiring. And uh, so my brother called me and said, hey, do you want to look at this? And I knew nothing about automotive, like absolutely nothing. Um, I literally did not know the difference between a tire and a wheel. You know, so if I went to buy tires for my car, I would say I need to go buy wheels. Like I literally like I didn't understand the jargon, the lingo in any way whatsoever. I was totally oblivious and uh, anyway, so I bought a tire store. <laughs> under those <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Why not? But uh, yeah, so I liked the uh, 
I liked the model. I liked the the business, the industry, and the franchise that we. So then I ended up buying that franchise with my brother, and uh, he was a hands off investor, <clears throat> and I was supposed to kind of run the operation. And fortunately, that store had a great store manager who had been around for a while and was and was knowledgeable and talented, and I was able to learn from him. So kind of random how I got into it, but that's the story. Well, that's a, that's quite an entrance into the, uh, yeah. <laughs> into the industry and um, cer- certainly unusual in that respect. Um, but I know that you've learned, you know, so obviously, you know, start in it since you've had other, you know, businesses and, and even those experiences with your neighbors, which I'm sure I, I can't imagine what some of those neighbors thought some of those people thought yeah. when they'd see you coming down the <laughs> sidewalk, but um you know, certainly you learn things along the way. Um, and, you know, it seems like you have really honed in on, obviously, I know you know the difference between tires and wheels now. Um, barely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it seems like you've learned a lot about people. Uh, you even have written a book about it called It's Not About the Mangoes, which um, I, I guess maybe we won't spill the beans on if you're selling mangoes out of the, out of the side door or something. But yeah. um but it seems like you've really become a student of how to work with people and kind of study people a bit. Um, how, you know, we all make mistakes in that kind of area and judge people too. I, I guess what, tell me about your thinking about people and maybe how that, where it was when you started the business and kind of somewhat how that's evolved over the years. You bet. Um I was not great when I first got into the automotive business with, with this franchise. I made some really big mistakes with people early on and I had to learn some really hard lessons. And for example, one of those things, and I, I tell this story in the book, but I, we were, it was 2007, 2008. We had just bought our franchise in 06. And so the recession happened. We were really struggling. Sales were going down. And my solution that I had learned in business school was with, you know, if you're losing sales and you have to, let go of people. You have to downsize. And so I did that. And my strategy was to downsize or, you know, terminate the employment of our most expensive employees. Well, you know, mechanics and also like customer service, service writer type people. Well, it turns out that those most expensive people generally were also the most talented and the most knowledgeable. And, and so by asking them to leave, um, just under the fact that they were expensive was a horrible, horrible mistake that I made. And what that meant was after that happened, our sales went down even farther at an even faster rate. So we no longer had people who cared. Um, the people who I hired to replace those people had no focus or drive or vision. They didn't have goals. They didn't, they were just kind of there um, taking space. And but and my but I didn't understand at first when I hired them, I thought, oh, this will be good because I'm saving so much on payroll. Right. right. You know, but it just it was a horrible strategy. Things got even worse. And so as I'm basically ruining this company, um, I had to take a hard look at my strategy and and what I was about and what I wanted my company to be about and how I was going to dig out of the hole that I had dug. And I figured that if having people who didn't care and were inexpensive uh, was digging me deeper and deeper, 
then maybe the way that I could dig out of this hole was to find the absolute most talented, dynamic, wonderful personalities that I could find. So I decided to go the completely opposite direction and find these types of people. And I, I did some networking and I found a, a person, a young guy. Um, his name was Jose, uh, working at a, another place. And that he was supposedly the best of the best and that he could sell anything. Um, everybody said yes when he asked them to buy what they needed for their vehicle. And so I recruited him. And the challenge was he was good and he knew it. He knew uh, that he was talented and he was expensive, but I kind of took a step into the darkness because we were pretty much out of money. It, it was a pretty, um, it, it was a time that was pretty dark for me. A lot of despair. We we were out of money. I was moving money from a line of credit to make payroll. I had sleepless nights. I had high high stress and anxiety. Um, it was it was not a great situation for me personally, and. Um, but in, in that moment of despair, I took this this step into the darkness to to trust that this person would be talented enough to help us dig out of the hole, even though it was going to cost me more money than I was used to. And uh, I did that and um, turned out to be a good decision. So within his very first day on the job, our sales went up dramatically. And, uh, and we just kind of took off from there. And so then I was able to, and I thought, okay, well, if it worked with one person, then maybe if we add a second person, then that'll help even more. And we did. And we just started kind of building on this model of finding great talent who genuinely cared about the customer and doing things right and about selling um, that all of a sudden we started taking off in a positive way. You know, Tire dealers everywhere, and not even just tire dealers, but everyone in the automotive space and in lots of different industries, especially in the last couple of years. I mean, hiring has just been such a, a nightmare at times. Um, but so, so I know that people are going to be like, oh, well, he, you know, he lucked out. He found this Jose who saved the day, things like that. Um, how, you know, it, it seems to me for my years of talking to tire dealers, they kind of generally fall into two buckets. There's dealers who look for and want to hire people specifically who know the tire industry, know automotive. And then as they get those people in their organization, they'll promote them and, you know, move them up the chain. And then there's those who search for people who have some other like inherent skills and then hire and promote those people. And then along the way, teach them about tires and automotive. Um, I already know the answer to this question, but I guess tell 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 us which yeah. camp you're in and kind of how and why and you know kind of how you've developed that over the over time. Yeah, so we have for sure leaned towards finding people with specific personality traits and certain characteristics who are self motivated. They're generally positive. Um, they want to do things well. They're excited about growth in their own personal life and in the company. And so we look for personalities and it is hard to find people, um, but it is possible. We put a lot of time and resources into recruiting and finding these people. We have the same problem as many people across the country of not being able to find uh, people. It's a, it's a big challenge right now for sure, but we, because it's a challenge and because we value it so highly, we put 
a lot of resources into it. We put money into it, into advertising. We put people into it, um, out and about, recruiting, talking to people, trying to have positive meetings. Um, so we will find, and I believe that our success is mostly sales people driven. So you might call it a service writer or customer service. We call them salespeople. It's all the same idea. We believe that the sales staff really drives the, the machine. So we look for people who, who have the traits that I just described, and we don't care if they have automotive experience or not. We want some people on the staff at each store who do have in-depth automotive knowledge, and that is important, but we also want people on that staff who are just great people people. Uh, for example, um, I'm always recruiting. I'm As I'm out and about, I'm always, as I meet people, I'm trying to get to know them to see if we can invite them to consider working at our company. So we came across a, a guy in his 20s. He had just graduated from the University of Utah with a marketing degree. He was selling cell phones at a kiosk in the mall. And he um, stopped me and tried to um, talk to us about phones. And he just had this really great dynamic personality. So I um, asked him what he was looking at career-wise. He didn't have a, a great path, a, a super clear path. And so we, we started talking. We hired him within 60. And he had absolutely zero automotive background, knowledge, experience, nothing. Within 60 days, he was in the top 20% of our salespeople across all of our stores and the top 20% of performance, um, just because he was just a dynamic um, personality that people really gravitated toward. So by far, we go more for personality than technical knowledge. Okay. Now, when you're doing that and then paying people, you know, the a, a respectable wage, are you are you doing this then with less people in a in a store than might be a, a national average, or are you are you? I think having, we are a having little, these yeah. people and being heavy on staff. <laughs> no, I think we are a little bit um, what I would call higher talent, less quantity um, in our staffing. So we we have people who can handle a lot of customers at once we kind of that's one of the traits we also look for is their ability to juggle a lot of people simultaneously which is a unique skill um and we so we pay more per person and and have a little bit less people you know um if a store our, our stores are high volume you know we have 40 to 140 cars per day at our locations uh, because of how we do it and so, but anyway, if a store would for that high of volume might normally have five people up front, we might have four. Um, if anyway, so it's, it's not a big difference, but it, it's kind of hard to relate because our stores are a higher volume. Um, but we we do try to have a little bit less headcount um, at each store than other stores might have for the same number of cars. Thanks to its R&D efforts. BKT is committed to helping customers succeed by offering high quality, top performance, and reliable tires that can handle any job in more than 160 countries worldwide. Now, and over the years as you've grown, I know that you've done some acquisitions. Are you finding that other companies that you or locations that you've bought um, have, have you had to add 
you know, add people there? Are they, you know, are they, are you having to cut people, which is always a, a, a risky and scary thing to do? Um, right. You know, what do you see out there? I would say, so over the past 15 years, we've bought 13 locations. Um, we've then sold a couple of those over the years, but anyway, I would say probably 10 out of those 13 were way understaffed. Mm-hmm. Um, the three that were not were friends of mine and we, we talked and shared notes all the time and, and uh, we had similar methods of how we manage the business. So we were already kind of somewhat integrated in our strategies and they were fully staffed. But uh, the other ones that we have bought almost pretty much across the board, I guess, are way understaffed. Um, relative to the number of cars that they already had. And then they say, and then the other thing people say is, well, you know, I don't want to be, I want to save on payroll, which is, we've already discussed that, but they, they don't see that if they had more people, they could get the cars done more quickly and get the next car in. And it's a leap of faith to kind of have the people first and then get the stuff done faster and then get more cars in. And then people say, well, where are those more cars going to come from? And, you know, so then that, you know, there's, there's some complexity there. It's well, you need to have some marketing behind you. And that is one thing I like about big O tires. We have as a group, a solid marketing plan. So there's, they're constantly helping us drive people to our locations. And that's a, that's a, a positive. And so we have a plan to drive people in Um, And so with that sound plan, as we get more efficient with more people of getting the work done at a faster rate, it's, it sounds weird. I wish I could quantify it a little better, but it's almost like magic. Um, I call it the popcorn effect. It just pops. And, And so that we'll, we can add, we can have a store that has maybe 25 cars when we buy it. And 30 days later, we'll have 50 cars. Wow. It just pops double. Hmm. Um, And that usually comes with doubling the size of the payroll. So we'll go just a few months ago. I bought a location that had seven employees within 30 days. It had 14 employees and it's up 100 percent in a a couple months. So, um, you know, so and there's there's more to it than just that. But that is definitely a key component. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and I know, I know you believe in, you know, paying people and, you know, like you talked about with Jose that he, you know, he knew that he was valuable and and talented and, you know, knew that he demanded that in pay. Um, But I know you also say that just paying someone, you know, a fair competitive wage isn't enough. It's not just good enough to be like, well, you know, I want you to do this or perform this way just because I, I pay you. Um, you say that you should pay them so that they're excited to be a member of your team. Um, one thing I read in your book and I'm, I'm a little surprised by is, uh, I guess, tell us about your, uh, connection to amusement parks. Um, and go, do you really close your stores down for a day and take everyone to an amusement park? We do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we close in the, for a day in the summer, and we so there's a good sized amusement park here in the Salt Lake City area, and um, and we do a few other things. We do one in in the fall as well. Um, so we invite the employees, their families, and we we take everyone 
you know, out for the day. And it's, you know, I, I don't know that people are going to come and work for us because they get a, you know, a $70 ticket to an amusement park included in their employment. But, but that and a few other things that we do, you know, so, um, you know, around Christmas time, we'll rent out a movie theater and we'll rent out the whole theater and it'll be a kind of a family friendly type movie where people can bring the kids and, and uh, you just get all these kids running around and, and we like that type of thing. You know, that's fun for us. So uh, those and then we recognize people when they've been with us for five years or 10 years and they get gifts and they get public recognition. And so we, it, it's all all these things are to me about building a culture that this is a, a business where people just want to be together. And yeah, we have conflict and, and it's not all kumbaya all the time, trust me. But, but generally we strive for this type of culture where people feel like they're part of something uh, that's bigger than just fixing cars. And so that's, that is one of the ways we do it. And people ask me all the time, well, how can you afford to close your store for a day? So in my case, you know, it's, I don't know, it, whatever it is, it's probably a six figure number in sales with 11 stores uh, to be closed for a day. Right. Cause you're, and, uh, cause the point of this is, I mean, some of this is for that connection. So you're, right. it's not like you're closing stores one at a time and sending 20 right. people. No, to the amusement no exactly. Yeah. We're all closed at the same time for a day to be together. Mm -hmm. And uh, people, how can you close? That's so much revenue. Think of all the profits you're losing. And I say, yeah, but look at all the value that we're gaining by being together and getting to know each other's families. And, and, you know, what is the value of retention of an, of employees who you know, there's many studies that show that the number one reason why people stay in a particular job or with a particular company is because of the social connection. And number two is how they're treated by their boss. And so if we feel like there's some kind of relation, and so they're relationship-based way more than they are task-based. So if we can keep that strong relationship on the team, then the odds are, in theory, that, you know, it, you can't quantify it exactly, but the odds are, in theory, that there's higher retention of people and talent. And, and that is worth a lot to us. I, I don't know exactly what the dollar value is, but I think it's worth it. Yeah. Now, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned too, because I was going to point out too, that I'm glad you said it's not all kumbaya, you know, and there, and there's conflicts yeah. and problems. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and that's perfectly normal if for any of us anywhere at work. Um, so, but how do you balance that with, you know, the, you know, these fun things that you do and the things that you're doing to build community and build a culture with also like having expectations? Because obviously if the way you've grown, clearly you're a guy who sets goals for yourself and for your company, but you have to set them for your employees as well. So I guess, how do you, how do you do that? Or how do you see one feeding off of, off of the other? Yep. So we also demand a lot. And that's why we are the top performing group in Big O Tires nationally. Uh, we have the highest revenue per store. Our revenue per store is over triple the national average for our franchise group. And um, it's because we also expect a lot and we we demand a lot. So it's that balance. You know, if we were only expecting a lot of our people and never doing anything fun, and not having those positive relationship opportunities, then we would probably be burning people out because we are asking a lot of our people um, and we do hold them accountable. We have certain, you know, with our sales staff, like I said, we're very sales driven. So we have about 60 salespeople throughout our company. 
and we have goals. We have monthly goals, weekly goals, daily goals. We follow up on those goals. We reward handsomely when people hit their goals. And we also hold people accountable when they're not hitting their goals. Um, and so we, we have a very structured sales program that we watch really closely and and we want our, our staff to produce. So then we do fun things, you know, along the way to help kind of counterbalance that. Because I do think if you're only focused on go, go, go all the time, we would totally burn people out and, um, and we don't want that. So we want that, that healthy balance. And so when I say we hold people accountable, we don't berate people. We don't demean people. We're not cursing people out. Um, we always treat people with dignity and respect and we treat people very, very well. Um, there's a very positive energy in our company. Um, and then we just say, Hey, here's the expectation. And we, we got to have you hit this, or if you, if this isn't, in, you know, in your wheelhouse, or if this isn't in your skill set, then let's find a different position for you. That's more in your skill set. And we do it very respectfully. And we always, we want to have people to have a great experience in our company, but it is kind of that balance of, uh, there, there is some pressure and some stress of working for us. Um, but we generally attract people who kind of like that and, mm -hmm and they, they want to be rewarded for high performance. Yeah. You know, a lot of what you say here, you know, makes a lot of common sense, but I also know if I were a tire dealer and owned a store and maybe knew I needed to make some adjustments in staffing or maybe tweak my philosophy on staffing, that it would be, you know, I, I'd, I'd be a, you know, you understand there there's that fear yeah. there. Sure. How would you you know, who, t if for a, a, a dealer who might kind of be on that edge of like, you know, you, you kind of have that internal voice when you know you need to make a change, what would you tell them to help, you know, kind of inspire them or <clears throat> to help them kind of make that leap or, yeah. you know, I can relate that it is hard. You know, you have someone who's been with you for a long time and it gets kind of comfortable and comfort is nice. We all love comfort. And um, the reality is a lot of times comfort is not a great recipe for stretching ourselves to reach higher goals by definition, right? I mean, that's what mm -hmm. comfort is. It's not stretching ourselves as much. And so some people are very comfortable being comfortable and they, they have a certain business at a certain size and they don't really want it to grow and, and they just want it to be at a certain place. And that's great. And I can totally understand why that would be great for some people. So for the person though, who wants to grow, who wants to be bigger, better, help more customers, make higher profits, the really only way to do that is we just have to kind of force ourselves to leave that place of comfortability at some point. And generally that means that if we have a team of people who've been with us forever, and they're comfortable too, and they're not really pushing themselves either. You know, we, we have to work out a, either a, a structured plan to help them get the vision of where we want to go and how to achieve it and reward them for doing so. But then we say, hey, but if, if you're not interested in getting to this place that we want to go, I understand that. I don't want you to do anything you're not interested in doing, but we really need to find people who are going to help us get to this certain place 
And, uh, you know, let's help you move on to a, a different opportunity where you're going to be happier than what we're going to be trying to do. And, uh, you know, so we, we don't, we're just like, we don't fire people point blank without them expecting it or, or knowing, you know, kind of what the plan is. We really try to help people have jobs, have careers, take care of their families in a, in a good way. Um, but people have to be willing to get on board and if they're not, then we try to help them find something that will be a better fit. Well, I definitely think you have given your uh, fellow tire dealers a lot to uh, to think about and ponder to today. <laughs> so, so about their people. So, so I appreciate you uh, coming on the Modern Tire Dealer Show with us today, Kent, and uh, and to sh sharing that wisdom with us. So, thanks so much. You bet. It's my pleasure. And obviously, the book. Um, it's not about the mangoes has tons more examples and details and stories of, of how we do what we do. And um, I love helping other small businesses. And I just, I hope that maybe one idea here or there could, could help somebody do a little better. So. Yeah. Well, and there's definitely um, a, some great stories of some of your employees that uh, are certainly inspirational for, uh, to, to get people going. So. <laughs> thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thanks. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Modern Tire Dealer Show, and thanks to Kent Coleman for his time. If you want to learn more from Kent, or even check out his book, It's Not About the Mangoes, you can find it online at any bookseller, or find the link on his website, kentcoleman.com. We'll be back with another episode of the Modern Tire Dealer Show soon. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Until next time, have a great day. Whether you're working on a farm, a construction site, or in the OTR industry, BKT has a tire for you.